Shopamaniacs. You're listening to another episode of the Shop Talk Shop Podcast, all about front end web design and development. I'm Dave, 498 years old. Rupert with me is Chris. Yeah. Good. Yeah, that's really close to 500, isn't it? We have a, it's not like we're going to like have a spectacular where we're going to like podcast for 24 hours a day or something. That's Ooh, not happening. But we have late. a little bit of an idea for it. At least to do at least to be, feel a little retrospective and talk about, you know, shop talk generally for 500 probably. But I would say yeah. that if anybody has any ideas of what they would like to to see from shop talk we'd love would be all ears you know it's tempting to do like let's do a cool clip show or something and it's so funny to think about that that would take like a hundred times more effort than than a normal shop talk. yeah because yeah. we'd have to like listen to 80 shows mark interesting moments it's not like we have this pile of clips i think chris ends has some like funny little like four second clips but that's not going to make for a show you know i'm picturing a clip show as being like remember this funny moment when you know Paul Irish's garage door opened or what, you know? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't have that really. No. It, and we're not in audio too. It's like we cut out all the biffs, you know, it's not like we're a live video podcast where we like right. keep all biffs, you know, like that would be, that would be better. Like, so that'd be know. neat. Maybe, you know, we can think of that in the future. I even noticed right here in Riverside FM, which is where we're recording this recently, which has been pretty good to us, I'll say, has a mark clip button now where you can ah. like, oh, that's an interesting moment. You can kind of just hit the button, which I think is okay. quite quite a clever little piece of, of UI. Like if something's I, exceptionally funny, then you can note it. I mean, you think of like economics, right? Like <laughs> we we do this every week, 500 times. Uh, and like, I don't, I mean, maybe just if something funny happens, mark a clip or something, and then you have something else to share, not just the, the weekly podcast or whatever. So, and Chris ends has done that a few times where like he'll cut out a clip out of for context the tweet clip or whatever. for the tweets or yeah. the video or the, you know, those can share mostly in discord. I'll say. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. That's cool. Just saying. It's it's in you know it's so cool. Five hundred is a is a special one, like more so than four hundred or something. You know, mm-hmm. five hundred, yeah, five hundred. So that's coming up. That's not here today though. We don't have a guest. We have some we have some more guests lined up. I really am excited about having get more guests on the show. You know, we've had guests forever, but I just mm-hmm. my some right now my mind is at like I want other people's expertise. I get such a kick out of that, you know, knowing that we can bring you more than what's just in our heads. Yeah. Well, and I think that was always the intent of the show. It just like pandemic hit and then it was like I mean mm-hmm. everyone was at home. We probably could have had a bunch of guests. <laughs> no one was really leaving their house. But you know, it just was like I think it was like a lot of like how to like this is just more stuff. We have to life's already complicated. Like now we're doing yeah. more planning. And it's, and I'm telling you, it's a so. five email it's a five e- email average getting it all planned out and all that uh, it, which it, we could have done it but i think we both were just like let's simplify you know and when conferences come around we simplify so yeah but like um anyway but now i, I think this is official yet that we're both going to be at an event apart not a sponsor but <clears throat> that's coming up yeah we'll be there event part in seattle um I believe. I don't know if I'm on the website. We but. didn't even know. I didn't even know you were going to be there. I was just surprised. Yeah, I'm not sure. I think you are, though. Let's are check we both? It out. Verify. Go to website to verify. Yeah, we're both on the website. So All that means right. we're there. Yeah. Oh, oh man. We I'm got, really uh, thinking it's going to happen. I know we're peak Omicron right now, but it seems like such a huge spike that the, the low end of it will have arrived by There by might then. be a dip in, in, yeah. So, anyway, could be pretty good so uh i i'm looking forward to obviously you know to take your personal health in consideration um yeah i did i did get the covid chris uh that's an mm. update personal health update <laughs> but uh it was not fun so but it's it was i was luckily lucky you know that mm-hmm. it was it was very minimal impact so i, I got the Dang. Uh, yeah. getting hit right and left with health crap i'm sorry this will be a good year, though. It's only January, early January. Come on. Just all uphill from here. 
I mean, downhill or whatever the good one is. That was it. Like had had nose surgery. That's the whole thing. But then I had like still getting over that. And then I had got a cold like the day like <laughs> vacation started. Christmas vacation started. And then I got COVID. And like I'm just like finally now turning back on. And so I'm just like, okay, I can do stuff. I can yeah. do work. I can yeah. do podcasts. Yeah. We're back. Heck yeah. It's a good week for me that way too. This feels like my first week where I've been like, oh my God, scratching my muscles. This is how much work I can get done in a day. I'm amazing. Look this at me go. Incredibly. Yeah. I, I've been like ripping out this big chunk, like basically doing brain surgery on the app we're working on. And, and it's like good and it, things are progressing hopefully. And uh, all like two pieces are going to land at the same time. But man, it was, it's been like, this like I just need to sit down and do this and, and I haven't really been able to do it until like this week and so now it feels good like I'm doing kind of a big brain surgery on the app so great keep at it uh, well I'm gonna drag you down a little tech journey here so so bring me chapter marker five minutes into the show <laughs> six minutes we're gonna do git I want to I, I had a thing happen to me with git so uh, it, it's just Git has been on my brain all week long in a way. I am not particularly a Git expert. I use Git all day, every day, like most people. But usually what I do is Git pull, Git commit, Git push, you know, mm-hmm. don't not mm-hmm. a, not exactly a Git surgery person. And that, so that's not what I'm going to get into today either. But we, do, we use this thing, or I do, called Git hooks. You know what Git hooks are? They're like little, it's built right into the Git language itself that you could, for example, I think the most common use case is run this bit of code before you allow a commit. So if like basically return false from that hook, the commit is not allowed to become a Git commit. It just rejects the commit entirely. It could be anything. It could be like Please verify your age. Uh, you, know, you have to type your birthday in there or let it like. Totally. It could hit a weather mm-hmm. API and say no commits while it's raining, while it's raining. But chances are it's not those weird things. It's your test failed. Mm-hmm. So you run your tests and it, they could be, they couldn't, they don't necessarily need to be an, you know, like an integration or a unit test. It could be, um, I ran style lint and style lint didn't report all clear. It reported there's some kind of violation. So reject commit. Please fix your style lint first. That's really useful. It means the code that by the time goes to your repo is clean and that it's not somebody else's job to fix your little your little mistake or whatever. Mm-hmm. Really convenient. Your CI should probably run that same crap just in case somebody's commit hooks are broken. It's like you wrote it once anyway. It's not too big of a stretch to have both things run it. You might as well. I mean, it like, whatever. If somebody, like, disabled the Git hook, you know, Whoa, maliciously. You, could you guess where I'm going with that? Yeah, my Git commits weren't working. Ooh. You know, how, how weird. And one of the things to check is, are there, because the, the Git hooks are actual files, they mm-hmm. sit, there's a folder called hooks that sits in your, you know, your little invisible dot git directory inside mm-hmm. of thing. There's a folder called hooks and your commit hooks are sitting in files there. So go look. Are they there? No. Then they're not running. You know, they, ha- <laughs> they have to be there. Pretty, now, managing yeah. those hooks is a little obscure, right? Like there's not, I don't even know what the actual language of a Git hook is necessarily. Sorry for my ignorance there. But there's so many great tools for managing Git hooks. It's pro- it's likely that you're using one of those. The one we use, I think Husky is one we used in the past. Right now we're using one called Left Hook, like the boxing oh, term is kind of clever. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I just generally kind of globally install it, and it runs its little script. And then there's configuration files for it for managing that. So y- you use its little language to say, hey, just run my style lint, will ya? Great. That's it. Left hook. It's a great little piece of software. That's what we use at CodePen, and I would reach for it for anything because it's a, it's a nice little piece of software project. So, okay, let's just let's put a pin in that and say that's that's the preface to this now i also want to talk about how you use git i'm interested in how you do it i'll tell you that i use a piece of software called git tower not a sponsor i just i think i chose it to try a long time ago built up a little muscle memory for it now that chip is sailed i'm just really into it and every time i try try something else muscle memory brings me back to git tower now it's a ui meaning that 
I go ahead and do some coding, and then I pop over to Tower, and I can, and it will tell me, oh, you got four changed files. Would you like to stage, stage them for commit? Would you like to commit them? It's showing me the diffs of those files. I really like that because I might open one of them and be like, dude, there's one line changed and it's a console.log statement. Oops, I didn't mean to save that. I can just kind of like right click and say discard the changes of that file. It yeah. helps me keep my commits to the code base clean. Mm -hmm. I just like it. So stop, I'll stop there and say, I use Git Tower. I'd like to know, I'm interested to know what you do. I have, I have no idea what you use for Git. You have no idea because I don't really have a standard weight. Um, <laughs> I, I, so um, since switching to VS Code, right, um, I have started using the VS Code command line pretty religiously like just the one built you, in there the, the one control built in tilde there. yeah yeah and then sure. you know i like 90 percent of my bash history is git status and i look and see what files i've changed right 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 and then so it's git status and then i git add some directory pages git add package.json, package lock.json. So you're usually pretty specific about your git add. I know a lot of people are probably just like git add dot. And then git add dot, yeah. Um, I don't because I, I try to chunk my commits up if possible. Like I was right. working on this issue, and so this goes with this bit, you know. So your, your command line, it happens to be in VS Code, but that's kind of I irrelevant. Line, but I do like, you know, the, the visual. There's a visual git tool in VS Code as well. There is. It's built right in, right in the sidebar. You can turn it on. It's called Source Control. It's not specific to GitHub. It's just it's specific to Git. And and what's nice, I, what I like about that is it's very um, it's visual, so I can see the diffs. Like if you go in there and you click the file name, it, it defaults to a split view of like exactly green and red before and after. Yeah, yeah. New Mexico enchiladas view. <laughs> it's the, uh, the green and reds. Mm. Um, so tasty. Um, getting Mexican for lunch, I guess. Um, here we go. But Damn the, you. Um, I know. Just get some tacos. Okay, here we go. Uh, so, so I use that a lot too because I, I, like you said, it's like, oh, did I just do a console log? Okay, yeah. I'll, then I'll discard changes, and I'd like to discard changes through that UI because. I don't yeah. know. Get yeah. get RM is <laughs> something you can do, you know, like or to like unstage a change. But I find it's just not as like easy. I, I don't like it, you know. Um, or yeah. maybe get RM removes. You're doing it from this with your hand. Result. I'm doing my little like go away. I don't want yeah. the file. You know, I don't. I don't have any interest in the changes they were made. Right. But, so you can discard changes and you can unstage changes from there too. So if you accidentally bulk added everything. Yeah, I can pluck them back out to unstaged. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it has just enough UI. It is a, I'd say it's, I I guess it's UI. Like it feels very like in betweeny to me. It's not, does not very native looking. <laughs> it's it's like a the file tree. I mean, it's not great. It's, it's very, I would say it's opaque too. I, I, but I think the killer feature is you get the red and the, the green diff. view. You get the diff. Yeah. You which get is the great. Diff. And, and you can even like, there's another button where you go straight to the file. Um, so I don't, you can like visually build commits. You can commit in that window too. Um, I'm curious. It's built into VS Code and everybody uses VS Code. Does, is a, does a huge number of people, is this their Git tool? I wonder. Um, I'd be curious. Um a, a long time ago, kind of before I'd started just doing it all in here, um, I my coworkers, in order to get them on Git and using that, we would use the GitHub desktop app. And I, so I still have that. Yeah. Yep. And I love that. It's like Tower or one of those other ones. But uh, it's like a... It's a visual tool. Like you see the files. I think a lot click, of people yes, really like it. The files are there. And one nice thing that it does is it does a fetch and it'll actually pull before it commits. So like it, mm. it's doing, cause you know, it, cause one thing I do, if you look at through the Git history, it's like I'm doing merges all the time. That's because I committed my code before I pulled code. Mm -hmm. And it does this thing called sync. They call it sync, I think. And it goes and gets the, pull, does a pull before you commit. 
So you never end up in that place where you have to like merge changes on top. Oh, is that what sync means? Even VS Code uses that terminology sync, even though that's weird because there is no git sync. That's like not a right. command. You know? And they may do the the whole pre-flight thing too. So, um, and that's actually pretty baller because it's just, you know, you're less accidents. You know what I mean? Like somebody's not, you know, merge conflicts suck. You know, you find out about merge conflict before you commit. That's a lot easier than after you've committed. You certainly, know? certainly. Yeah, I like that. I like that. I, I see that sync thing threw me off. Like I don't even uh, now. I'm now I'm understanding more about what it does. It also fails on my on some of my repos and not on others, and I don't really understand why. Anyway, so okay, VS Code. Sometimes you use command line. Sometimes you use VS Code. Let's leave it at there for for one second. Those Git hooks are neat in that they are are irrelevant to what how you use Git at all. Like they're going to run on the command line, they're going to run in VS Code, they're going to run in whatever. Because they're just built into Git the language, not, they're not part of, for example, Git Tower or VS Code. Yeah, and it does, I, I looked into my commits or my pre-commit and it's, run, it's running bash, so it runs like a shell script. Um, yep. I have had problems on Windows, like using the Windows app with pre-commit hooks, it basically like doesn't run, right? So, Yikes. Um, and you know, so that's, that's could be an issue if you're like kind of in a cross deal, but, but if you're running it, you know, WSL bash, you're just fine. You can do it on there, but I don't know if you can tell the Git app to use the WSL bash, blah, blah, blah. Oh, that, I that see. might be kind of hard. Um, but Git for Windows also ships with this like, git bash kind of package like it, it basically comes with some bash stuff it it needs and so okay that's an option there nice okay this episode of shop talk show is brought to you in part by notion learn more and get started for free at notion.so and in fact you can you know check it out on your own get a feel for the app and what it's capable of it's really wonderful to use invite as many people as you want to to your team see how it works and then uh, decide from there really tremendously good for remote working teams I know because I have a whole bunch of different remote working teams and I use notion for all of them but also hybrid work that concept of some people are in the office some aren't that's really kind of becoming the norm the really high functioning teams in that category have two things in common speed and alignment meaning how fast they're working and the fact that they're working together on the same goals both come from having one hub where everyone can work and share processes manage projects and collaborate with clarity it's just so true i feel like notion is the job some days me going into Notion and talking to people, leaving notes for people, adjusting the cards for where they need to be, adjusting priorities, using Notion as the place to talk that everybody is seeing it, everybody can reference it, keeping everybody on the same page. That is my job a lot of days. I'm a developer too. But keeping people on the same page is more useful than writing code sometimes because it means that when the code gets written, everybody knows what's going on. Thanks so much, Notion, for the sponsorship. Again, the, it sucks to have your Git hooks not work because you commit one file that is doesn't, you know, has a linting problem, for example, that's one thing a hook can do, immediately it's somebody else's problem because it will mm -hmm. lint your whole project and then be like, I'm working on something totally unrelated, but this dumb CSS file needs a change before you let me commit it because Jimbo over here's commit hooks aren't running. So you really want to make sure those are running. Mine weren't. And I was like, what the heck, you know? But I've been in this transitional state with new computers. That's a little foreshadowing a little bit. Um, so it turns out I'm, I open Git Tower, I make a commit, and it'll say, ah, problem. And I was like, oh, great, my Git hooks are running. And then I would fix the problem, and, and it would run the commit hooks. There would be no problem, and they would go through. Great, that's exactly what they're supposed to do. Then I make one more commit, and that was the moment, which took a little figuring out to figure out, is that it w wouldn't run again. So it turned out that a successful running of the hooks would immediately delete the the git hooks 
from the, the literal files in that folder. Like, how strange, right? Mm. Took some digging around. Now, to this day, I don't know why. I do not know why it does this, but looking at some docs and stuff, the way that the command that Git Tower runs, remember, it's just UI under the hood. It's just, it's, it's literally running Git commands, right? Like, it has to. Mm -hmm. It does this thing called env before git commit. So it'll run like env-i, then git commit, blah, 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 blah. I don't even really know what env does, but I can tell you that I looked that up and then tried that at the command line. And even at the command line, a successful running of the git hooks would delete the git hooks. So Mm. strange. I don't know what it is about ENV or whatever, but that's what the app used. If I do that on the command line, they delete it. And so I kind of threw my hands up and just was like, you know what? That sucks. I do not know why Tower does this, but I cannot use it. I can't be a member of my team and not have my commit hooks. And I was like, you know, so many people at CodePen, even, even Claire, our designer, all command line all the time Git. You know, most people at CodePen use it. Not everybody. You know, even even Rachel on our team is like a Git tower diehard like me. Like, mm-hmm. and so, but I was like, I'm gonna try it. You know, this is my week. I'm gonna like. At a moment, I was like, I'll. I'll I had the feeling I'm gonna grow up because I feel like yeah. you know, yeah, real yeah. designers use the command line kind of thing. And I, I, it's not like I don't know. I know what Git status is. I know what Git add is. I know what Git commit dash m is. I know what. Git fetch and get, and I know what the commands are. I should be able to do this, especially because it's not that big a video. I'll just Google it if I don't know real quick. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Anyway, using the command line is fine. It doesn't delete my hooks, so I'm back in action. Two days later, maybe day and a half, I'm like, screw this. I cannot do it. I can't do it on the command line. I can't see the diffs. There's no thing for easily discarding the files. Like, I, I hate it. I can't do it. So I switched to VS Code like you've been doing. I was like, eh, why not? It's built into the tool I'm using anyway. I do another day and a half on it, and I'm like, I just can't. It's just not good enough. I, you want the GUI. I don't, I don't hate it, but it's just not good enough. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, there are some nice things. I don't know if you use, like, Git Lens or the GitHub app um, and stuff like that. It adds a few, like, Git niceties or, like, Git blames and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, because, you know, um, there is no such thing as a pull request in Git, right? That's a GitHub-ism. Mm-hmm. So the right. plugin for VS Code is literally separate. Like, source mm-hmm. control is built in. But if you want the pull request stuff, that's a separate plugin. I think that's great. Yeah, the pull yeah. request app in VS Code is sweet. It shows comments on the right files, right in line and stuff. It's so good. It's got my issues, I, uh, so I don't have to go. I never use it. I never remember to open this, but it has issues. So. Um, I like that I can even respond to comments in line and stuff. I, I, I love that. And then, yeah, Git Lens is neat, too. I feel like that's like a required VS Code plug in mm-hmm. like on mm-hmm. any given line it says you it tells me oh Stephen shaw updated this file three mm-hmm. months ago wow that's really useful thanks yeah. Gitlen. like while i'm authoring too it's kind of annoying it's so like... speaking of Stephen, he <laughs> says i don't have that problem with source tree that's the one source that he's tree. Oh, i think he's it's going bitbucket <laughs> i think so and it's they just give it away for free i you know and i use it and you know, he kind of bones me up on it a little bit it's not really that different none of these are that different there's git fox mm-hmm. there's git kraken there's three, four other ones, I think, as just for Mac, I'm sure Windows has a bunch too, that are, you know, they're not that different, really. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they're just like, here's your tree view, here's your changed files view, here's all your branches, here's the weird little Git thing with lots of rainbow crap based on branches and stuff. What you mm-hmm. really need is just, a, what I need is a couple of buttons that help make branching easier and stuff like that. So I use it for a little while, no problems, but I don't love it. And I was thinking, oh, maybe I'll bounce around apps a little bit and explore Git. But then I find out what's wrong. It's just that if you want Git Tower to run something like a Git hook, it needs to know your path. And for some reason, Mac apps just don't have access to that in the same way. I can't Hmm. articulate that very well. But there's a way in Git Tower that you can just teach it what your path is. It has something called a plist file. You just open Mm -hmm. that environment.plist and you echo your path out into that, into the right place in that file. And then everything just works fine. So that's a little hard to discover. Um, And it turns out the source of that information was a Slack thread from me 
in 2019, <laughs> where I previously discovered how to make this work. Uh, wow, yeah. Because <laughs> I, I just did a quick Bing search for it and found nothing. I mean, it was just yeah. like, it was, yeah, I would be, that's wild that you... I would still love to know why it deletes the dang things. If anything, just don't delete them. Like, why, why on earth would you ever delete those files? I, I yeah, don't know what that is. Yeah, why be destructive? But, but I'm back it, to my tower land, and that was my whole journey. And It it might use its own Git or something. Huh. It's anyway, that EMB that, thing, because that was replicatable yeah. in tower or not. Yeah, because I wonder if that env thing says no my git is here like use this git actually you know oh, or something I see. I see i see yeah but i don't know um yeah weird i mean glad you figured it out i i was gonna say like <clears throat> from what i like what i like is using guis as far as i can and then just doing the commit message and the command line seems to like work yeah, seems, I've done seems that to before be less too. Problems, right? So. Do just do that. Like, use a little split. Like, stage your files maybe in the GUI and then pop to the command line for the other part. That's not unheard of, especially because we all have the command line open and anyway. Then, you know, some people have aliases in their bash. You know, like GC right. is git commit. So then you just say like GC. You know, updated crap number one two three bye. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I was about ready to get all my, my aliases going because, yeah, you can't type git pull origin master that many times before you're just like, uh, no thanks, you know. Yeah. Have uh, you seen these? So can we keep talking? Have you seen these like commit lints? If we talked about this on the show? A commit link? Commit lint. Lint. It, it's basically oh, like. I have. Like it's a tool to like make your commit messages more uniform and like mm-hmm. kind of like. Follow a style guide, I guess, for your... Yeah, I'm on two different random community projects. It's been a little minute that 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 have this. And so you, what always gets me is that you can't even do a commit that doesn't start with, like, something colon. And a lot yeah. of them are, like, chore colon or design colon. Or, but I didn't have any say in what they are. And a lot of times, whatever work I'm doing, none of them really seem to fit. And it really, mm-hmm. like, rubs me the wrong way. I'm like... Oh, so I just have to pick one of these that doesn't fit. <laughs> Great, yeah, you're like, fun. Just let me exist. Sure, it yeah. is. Emmer effer. <laughs> Beat you. I win the game. Everything's a chore. What even does chore uh, even mean in tech? What is chore? I I think of it as like I moved this from this file to or like I sorted my CSS properties alphabetically. Mm. That's a chore, you know. Okay, like, it's it's non feature related or whatever like so or it's a very micro yeah i always thought of it as like change. one of those dumb like depend it's not dumb i'm sure it's very useful but those like depend a bot commits or something but usually you don't have <laughs> yeah. to name those like those come like pre-named those commits but yeah well what i in theory like about it or just even naming and this gets into issue naming as well but like what I like about it is maybe you can just be like, you know, I got like an hour left in the day. Let me just do a chore, you know, or something like that. So see, yeah. you can basically weigh work, like just pick up an easy one, you know, while you're got some downtime or something. But anyway. So but, while we're on Git for a second, here's a classic one. I'm on the wrong branch. For example, I'm on master or main and I've done a bunch of work because I just sat down and started doing work. But, of course, I shouldn't be on main. I should be on mm-hmm. my feature branch or something. And I'm not. So what do you do? Well, to me, it's like you stash them all. Then you mm-hmm. pull, pull from master, make sure main, make sure you're cool there. Then branch it. But make sure you've branched from master because I've screwed this up in the past where I'm on some feature branch and then cut a branch, which makes it a branch of that branch rather than master, which I'd almost never do that. I know so I know there are use cases, plenty of use cases for that, but that's almost never what I mean. I mean, like, give me a fresh branch off off it. Then you then you cut that branch, then you have to move to that branch, then you reset unstage yeah. the or pull the things out of stays of state of stash. And then you can commit from there. So it's this very multi-steppy thing. And I saw a West Boss tweet the other day that was like, there's this new thing called, what was it, Git oh, Switch, Git Switch, that move, that does all that. So you're oh, on the wrong branch, you go Git Switch, and you kick over to that new branch. 
and Ooh. it does it, you don't have to stash and unstash i think is kind of the point I, 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 hopefully i understand it correctly but i was about ready to get into using that because i would use it all every day because but then you actually don't have to do that much rigmarole when you're using a gui that's another reason to use a gui i can kind of like double click on the branch i want to be on and it will perform that little ceremony for me mm -hmm. you know what i mean and i like that i like that yeah um I, uh, this is where I end up going to, uh, oh, shit. um, <laughs> yeah. Cause Katie I'm just Sailor like, Miller's thing. Yeah. yeah. Cause I'm just like, you know what? Like, I don't want to do this from, cause, cause when it's like, is it get head at curly braces index or is it head squiggly or is it head minus one or mm. yeah, like <laughs> that stuff, or is it hard reset or soft reset? You know, like that stuff the opacity of that stuff, uh, the opaqueness, uh, just drives me nuts. Like just how nerd nerd speak it is. And so I, I just follow the tutorial. I do wish there was like a, like, I don't know. I, for a long time, I've wanted to create a command line app or something called, I'm going to use cuss words. So we'll have to bleep this out. Sorry, Chris, yep. but like call it get unfucked. <laughs> <laughs> and so you say get un. And then it says, oh, what'd you do? It's like committed to the wrong branch. You know, it's like a menu, like Yeoman or something. You know, you mm -hmm. choose what what un mistake you made, you know, and yeah, then you just yeah. say like. What if, what if it was called that, a CLI, and <laughs> and it was it worked for anything. It wasn't just Git. That whatever last command you did, do whatever it takes to undo whatever you do just did. Undo the opposite. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay, I in uninstalled whatever Xcode select tools. So could you please just un uneff it so mm -hmm. that'd be, yeah. cool. That'd be cool. this episode of shop talk show brought to you in part by jetpack jetpack's a plugin for your wordpress it gives it all kinds of extra super cool abilities many of which are powered by the idea that it would be nice to offload a bunch of work to a cloud server instead of your server, which you're probably, you know, you're probably on some shared hosting to make it more affordable for yourself. I am. All my sites are, you know, that's what keeps computing, uh, you know, more affordable these days. And all WordPress runs perfectly great and fine on most shared hosting, you know, but there's some stuff that's just particularly taxing for a web server that's, you know, busy running PHP and MySQL and all that stuff, uh, you know, stuff like site search, you know, default WordPress search, not even that great, really. You type in some search terms and executes, and of course, it needs to go through PHP and it needs to execute an SQL query against all the content on your site. It can be a particularly heavy thing to do, Honestly, SQL isn't even that good of technology to do it on. There are better search technologies like Elasticsearch. Well, guess what? You flip a switch in Jetpack, your content, which, you know, kind of gets synced up to the cloud, gets put into Elasticsearch, and you don't even need to know this. You know, it just doesn't even matter. What happens to you is that all of a sudden the search experience on your site is now great instead of kind of bad and it doesn't tax your server at all because all of a sudden better search technologies are being used it's all happening in the cloud way better in that way it's the same thing with the backups the backups happen in the cloud it's the same thing with you know your images they're in the cloud now they get you know uploaded to a CDN and handled that way. It's the same way, even with something like related posts, which can be, you know, there's some shared host that say, you can't even use those plugins. They're so taxing on the database of the site. Not with Jetpack. It all happens in the cloud for you. So cool. Thanks for the support, Jetpack. All right. Well, thanks for listening to my dumb little Git journey. That just was on my mind this week. So many so many git things i also learned about git git something prune origin which is like a little quick way to go like oh can you please just ditch all my dead local branches because i probably have 30 of them you know? yeah one thing you have to do this is if you're going to switch to get to the command line one thing you have to do is like like remember when you push git push feature my thing you have to say dash you you have to set the upstream or else your whole world sucks. So right. the apps do that for you and you don't. <laughs> so. Right. That got so. me in source tree. That was one of those things. I'd make a new branch and then go to, 
push it up and it'd be like, you can't push it. You didn't th- push it where, buddy? What? And then it what would bring bridge? up a little dialogue and you have to pick the, the upstream that you wanted. And it's just, it felt a little silly to me because I'm not used to that. I'm like, what do you, I don't even, my brain had forgotten what an upstream even is, you know? Yeah. Yeah. The apps, I don't know. I, I'm 100% on this stuff should be GUIs because it's, I don't know. You can do it on the command line. You you can, and lots of people have for decades now. But if we want anybody <laughs> to enjoy it, it needs to have a GUI. So, yeah. I, I couldn't agree more. I, but it, not for everything under the sun. But I, because I, I, I don't know. I err er, er towards GUIs for things anyway. But uh, for most things, I just think there's a lot of things where it's not just because I like little pretty buttons. It's because it's literally better UX. You know what? So the other day in the Discord, I was so I I took a screen cap of and I was going to share it with my coworkers, you know, a clean shot X, you know, screen grab. And but it was like 120 megs, you know, and I just was like, well, whatever. Slack can handle that. But like. Could I make it smaller? And I just was like, I wish there was a tool mm. I could just drag a video and say, make it smaller. You know, maybe like Handbrake mm. does that. But like, but but then I was like, could I just like right click the video and be like, make small? You know, <laughs> like please give me a yeah, good an question option for that. On Mac, there's actually right click and you can encode selected video files. And that'll bring up a little dialogue wow. uh, for any like screen cap or anything. And you can like basically make it a lower resolution. So I could send it to my coworkers in 720 because they actually don't care. They so just want to see nothing. It. Your wish was granted, granted by yeah. the OS. And I was just like, that's, that's cool. I didn't know that feature existed, but it was actually like very helpful. But, but I wanted a GUI. I wanted to select, I didn't want to like FFmpeg cause I could have done that, but like, I, that's not what I wanted to do here. I wanted just to say, like, make it small, like, make it small and optimize it. That's all I need. So that's cool. I, w- I would have kind of thought that, may- like, you'd have the opportunity to do that as it's coming out of Clean Shot X. But I wouldn't blame you of not having thought of it at the moment of recording the video. Uh, yeah, well, it's weird, right? It's like it records your screen. And, but my screen is like 1440 and that's kind of like a lot of pixels to send up to the, yeah to the cloud. But then, yeah, maybe I can record screen and then, uh, I don't know. Yeah. But, you never know yeah. how it comes across the other side either. I was in a, I opened a, I was in the Astro discord the other day and I opened a little support ticket. They have a pretty cool discord. Um, and if you make, if you just post anything at all in support, it just instantly makes a thread which is kind of cool, which just means that, like, it keeps that channel really clean. Ooh, that's really smart. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, here's my thread, and I take a screenshot that I've crafted just so in CleanShot mm-hmm. X with that I, like, highlight things and I put arrows on it and stuff. I know that's probably not accessibility-wise really great. I should explain what I'm doing in other ways as well. But at the moment, that's what I did, you know, drawed some arrows on a screenshot and posted it in there. And if I open it, to this day, if I go to Discord and open it, it looks great, super clear. Mm-hmm. And then the person looking at it said, could you send me the part in the white over there in another way? Can you post it in here? Because I, I can't read it. And the thing, I'm like, what are you talking about? It looks great. How can you not read that? You know, like what's, mm-hmm. what, what's happening here? And then I needed that same screenshot to share somewhere else later. And I went mm-hmm. into Discord and I downloaded it. And I think I saw what they saw. Like, it was totally unreadably weird. So, oh, like, weird. what you see in Discord is not what everybody else sees. Oh, man. Just FYI. That's a parallel universe. That's a nightmare to me. Because <laughs> you expect data consistency or whatever, right? Like, yeah, it must. I don't know. It just keeps a local pointer to some local cached one for you. But by the time it's over the wire, they, t- they blast it. Bullied it. Yeah. Yeah. Wild. Weird. Huh. I, I, that would be that would be something to know about because I know Twitter does that or like they don't they just compress the hell out of it you know and yeah so, yeah it comes up in my life because we use Dropbox paper for our editorial flow and somebody will upload a movie and the paper will just compress the heck out of it and you're like well that's not useful I can't use the com- I can't use the compressed one in 
Because Dropbox Paper is never the final place something is published, you know. You then mm-hmm. take it and you move it somewhere else. But you're using it because it has all this great, you know, commenting flow and editorial and permissions and all the stuff that you need for a collaborative thing. But then it's done and then you go move it somewhere else. So, like, don't mess with the videos, please. Because if, if you don't know that ahead of time, you might just download the video and use it in the final thing. Well, Mm -hmm. can't do that, dude, because it's already been compressed. Anyway, wow, we are jumping all over the place today. Should we take a breather here? Stretch our legs. We have Ruby when she's frustrated. You go, blow out a candle. Oh, that's nice. I should have done that to my daughter this morning when we were fighting over pants in 39-degree weather. So. (laughs) Blow out a candle. pants, please. (laughs) She's mad the whole way to school because I made her wear pants and it was 39 degrees. So three degrees Celsius. Doesn't like pants. I'm just impressed she even, you even own pants for her, you know? Well, yeah. Uh, leggings, Chris. I was not I was not going for full pants. I knew that. I knew I lost that battle. I was going for <laughs> leggings. No jeans. So, something to cut the wind. So, yeah. Just yesterday, as we record this, be a couple of days since when, you, when you're all listening to this, um, Devin Govet Govet, we know Devin from the, as the creator of Parcel, who I think we brought up on the show. Otherwise, he posted kind of a sad tweet about like Vite's success and Parcel's less so success, you know, hmm. recently. Um, only because it was it was a little critical of I think Vite's approach or Vite, sorry, his approach to to not bundling as well as maybe something like Parcel does. Yeah, I think Parcel kind of optimizes the delivery where Vite's maybe a bit more like just optimizes the chunks, you know, so. Yeah, maybe that's it. And kind of, yeah, I, I don't know enough to weigh in on that necessarily, although I am ready for the days where bundling is behind us in a way and that maybe we bundle nothing because we trust the network so much and that HTTP 2 or 3 or 4 or whatever it is at the time is so good at delivering small files that it's just the same or better as large files, which would open up the door to caching tinier bits of apps, which sounds kind of great to me, et cetera, et cetera. Anyway, he released Parcel CSS, which is, to me, this seems like big news. And it's even bigger news now that I've dug into it a little more, although I say it's not like I have a project in or anything. came out yesterday. But is a parser, meaning it's like post-CSS, right? It turns CSS into an abstract syntax tree, and then then it can do stuff to CSS. Mm-hmm. So it, you have to have a parser first, and then you can do other stuff. So this is based on other parsers, but as far as I can tell, is is u- a unique take, you know, like a fork, and like this is a specific CSS parser. Just that alone, I think, is a big deal. And it's a transformer, and we can get into that, and it's a minifier. So, like, why would you use this thing? Well, it's a fresh take on all that stuff. So yeah. if you just need a, a minifier, which you should, probably should do, even though gzip is good, gzipped minified is better. Or what's the other one? Brotly or whatever. It's it's still they still tend to yeah. suggest minifying first. It's a fresh minifier. Hey, that's cool. Makes really small files, provably. It does vendor prefixing too, but not with auto prefixer. It's its own. Ooh. It's like a new player in vendor prefixing. Interesting. I got that wrong at first because I see auto prefixer in their package.json and I was like, oh, they just use that. But that I was like, maybe they found some way to use auto prefixer without post CSS, which would be mm-hmm. weird, but they did not. This is a fresh take on that. It will do CSS modules, which I like because I use CSS modules generally. I think that's a nice approach. And I'm talking about like the library, not the native ones like CSS imports or whatever. And it makes source maps, although, you know, I guess that's that useful, even though it's not quite as different as it's not promising a different CSS syntax like SAS is. You know, there's mm-hmm. no syntax differences here. In fact, it doesn't even bundle your CSS. So I don't know why source maps are that important here, but it does that. But it also does future CSS. You know, there's that post-CSS plugin preset env, and it yeah. it takes new spirit CSS, like new color syntaxes and nesting and stuff like that, and it makes it in an output CSS that's, you know, boiled down to something that browsers understand, just like Babel. I'm starting to get more into that spirit. For a while, mm-hmm. it kind of scared me, but I think CSS is rapidly changing enough and the specs are kind of generally stable enough seeming that this seems like a smart way to go. So this parcel CSS does all of that. 
vendor prefixing, minifying, CSS modules, source maps, and this syntax lowering thing based on a browser target that you target, that's big. And it does it faster than even ES Build does. It's just a smoking fast news. I I just think that this is a a shakeup to the CSS processing world. Yeah. I mean, so it's saying like, on their blog post, CSS Nano for minification only, right? 10,000 lines nano, of bootstrap. They test well, against Nano, but it's they're not. They're saying, yeah, Nano took 542 milliseconds. Oh, they're comparing against it. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Parcel takes 4.6 milliseconds, so two orders of magnitude faster there. Yeah, that's wild. Like, that's, that's very fast. <laughs> so, yeah. like, minified bootstrap in, like, literally like one FP or 60 FPS <laughs> they're, they're minifying bootstrap in 60 FPS. So yeah, that's, that's crazy. It is so. crazy. I mean, and we know what happened, you know, when dev tools see these kind of leaps forward in their performance, that it like unlocks doors that you wouldn't consider unlocking before, you know, like doing it on the fly, like typing one character in your, in your code editor and just letting the build run. Cause why not? It's mm-hmm. imperceptibly fast anyway. So cool. I wonder if this will bring back tools like like old, uh, CSS Rabbit or what was it? Yeah, or Rabbit's uh, CSS uh, <laughs> Soup. What was it called? They had ex- Espresso. Well, that didn't have to run a build on it, so it worked. Yeah, I, I know what you're talking about. Where it's like, you know, your design on the left and your CSS on the right kind yeah. of thing. Like CodePen. <laughs> <laughs> it's basically old CodePen. Um, I forget what it's called. Oh, CSS Edit. Buh. I should have known that. Anyway. There was That's one so with cool. a rabbit too, though. I Maybe the icon was a rabbit. rabbit. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, I'm somewhere. Mac Rabbit's the name of the company, but anyway, yeah. Um, no, that's I don't know. That's cool. I'd be curious how the like CSS module stuff kind of works, you know? And um, like that one's a little weird to me because it's like usually that ties into your your template React, too, basically. Yeah, yeah. Like doing it all by itself seems less useful, but. But I guess it could do it. It could take over for that. I mean, yeah. Point is, if your tool needs that anyway, that you that you could move to this tool knowing that it's available for you to use. You know, as I mm-hmm. think that's the big deal, right? Like, what if I know for a fact? Because the reason I was posting in that Astro Discord to begin with was I wrote a container query, Dave at container, blah blah blah. Because I was using the polyfill. I'm like, this is great. I'm gonna just do it. This is a little baby site. I'm not that worried about the fout or whatever or the fauk. In this case, mm-hmm. there's I, I just was ready to do that. Mm-hmm. And I'm working on a conference talk <laughs> for Inventapart, and I think it's relevant to that. Anyway, mm-hmm. I run it through Astro's compiler, and it just destroys the syntax of a container query. Just mm. comes out nothing looking like CSS at all. I was so confused by what a container query is. And Astro's was, in the la- I think they opened a ticket two months ago or something, aware of this not just container queries, but a couple other things as well. And they're like bummed out. They don't write CSS compilers. That's a little out out of scope of the Astro project to write their own CSS compiler. They were just hoping they it, it all worked. Yeah, they're depending on somebody else. Yeah, Right, so they got to pick one, right? Because you can't, I don't know, it'd be weird to have multiple of them. And I think they're stoked about this because maybe, just maybe, this one has a little more momentum. It's fresher. It probably is barfing on less new syntax because the things right out the door are like if there was a problem they'd probably fix it right away because assuming you know Devin wants people to use parcel css probably would jump on a problem like that right away um anyway so maybe they'll use it and and obviously astro supports css modules although they have their own kind of implementation of it but i would think that they could get on this right away like a a, a tool like astro could probably use this you know if they all got going on it they could probably switch over in a couple days you know yeah well and you know this is uh, uh no this is cool I, i'd be curious won't run your ass you know it won't. I it won't. I don't think no. so. No, it's. But it could. SAS could just generate CSS, and this could take over. You know, like yeah, you run this SAS after to it. do all the everything. Yeah, I, I'm. I don't know. This is all pretty interesting to me. The real crosshairs here is post CSS. I mean, I think that's what it is. Yeah, it's trying to get rid of. It. Yeah. Uh, post CSS is cool. I it, like very popular project or whatever. Um, 
but you know, it, it is kind of, it, it has a lot of stuff. It's written in Node. We know now Node is maybe not the fastest pick for like these very machine operations, you know? So, uh, so I, I'm, I welcome new, better competition for sure. I think, um, yeah, I agree. Like, and for Parcel, you know, Parcel was kind of like you, you had to buy into the whole thing. I use it quite a bit. Just, I think I use it on my site because I just was like, I just need something simple to bundle some JavaScript. But yeah. it's kind of like I'm going to start at your index and I'm going to run through your whole project and spit out a whole new thing. Uh, that's like a big buy-in if you're not using it, right? Um, and so, but like something like Partial CSS is like just a, oh, I just need to fix my CSS. I like, that's a great tool for this, you know? Like, just go fix my CSS. <laughs> like, make it good. Make it fast, you know? So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. kind of a gateway gateway chunk to it i was just writing some internal docs the other day about you know like what's up with post css what's the you know because we're we're gonna still support it forever on CodePen. you know like i don't i don't i don't want to be opinionated about what tools you use i'd support this too you know i'm support everything going forward um but post css is so unusual in that it doesn't do anything you you know you have to pick plugins for it otherwise it's just a parser you know that's the that's the point and what are the two big players these days i don't think there's any question about it it's still auto prefixer although less and less so you know cuz prefixes are largely kind of gone away there's not new there's never i'll no browser will ship a new vendor prefix thing as far as i know so that, those are going to fade away and it's replaced by stuff like flags and origin trials and all that so you know there's still a few things i know mask still needs to be prefixed there's line clamp Input, still has to yeah. scroll bar um yeah there's appearance stuff. maybe i don't know so to not oh. think about it is neat yeah appearances that's a great one because it's just starting to go away just start, like this year. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, anyway, so whatever. That's a big one, and it, but traditionally, of course, huge had been, you know. And then, and then the, the like the newer players that post CSS preset env or whatever, which is that future CSS today one, which is great, really super cool. And then, you know, but I think other people have opinions about other ones they pick. I think if you looked at your average project that really uses post CSS, they hand pick a couple of them. I've always bristled against that. I don't love it how from project to project the CSS is like, well, we use this weird plugin and it has this weird syntax and thus our thus our CSS is locked into this processing forever because somebody mm-hmm. picked a weird plugin and has a weird syntax and it's not that it's impossible to back out of that, but I, I hate how it's not compatible. Whereas a SAS project to a SAS project, SAS is consistent. They're all they all run. There's no it's just SAS. Yeah. I think about that a lot. I mean, I'm like having like just dug out of like a big dependency. Um, you know, even like with Markdown, like I want sections in my Markdown, Chris. I want just a little wrapper around some of that content so I can style it differently or whatever. Mm-hmm. Well, you got to use a plugin. Guess what? Then you go to the next thing. I put it on my Jekyll blog. That doesn't have the plugins, you know, so mm-hmm. these like little custom syntaxes get outputted as text or, or tables or something, you know? And so, um, it's kind of a, I don't know that those little, it's those, you get kind of hammered down by these, like, like bring, just add plugins systems that they don't, they kind of miss something, you know, at some point, you know, or back in the day, we used Compass with SAS, you know, and they, like digging out a Compass was like, oh man, <laughs> like this is a lot of work. So yeah, indeed. I, and SAS has moved away from that. Now, I don't know how intentional it was, but Compass was a thing that you could add on to SAS, and then yeah. you're not running canonical SAS. You're running SAS plus Compass, and that might be different from the next project that maybe doesn't use that. That's that, you don't see that anymore. SAS no. doesn't really have plugins per se, you know. You, you can yeah. have a dependency, which is some SAS file that you just at import, but it doesn't like change the nature of SAS, you know. Yeah, yeah. Compass was kind of just like an auto prefixer, if I recall correctly. It almost well, I had weird stuff. That, it had a so. random function built into it, for example, Ooh, you know, stuff nice, like yeah. that. Uh, anyway, that's interesting. Interesting. Um, good conversation. Let's see here. Is there any? Uh, do you have any final final words for our show here? Anything cool? I have a I have a, a sick pick, you know, which we can't use because this is what syntax does. But if you have a cool thing in your life, that's not 
<laughs> medicine. I can. So I do a video game podcast, uh, a side quest mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Uh, with my friends, John Wing and Zach Meyer. Um, and uh, I played it. So I got the COVID uh, and I played a game called Return of the Oberdin. It's like an old game, but it's basically like this two-bit game where you like have to go explore a pirate ship, <laughs> and uh, it was cool. And you explore yeah. it in 3D, but it looks like a 2D old, I don't know, dot matrix game, you know, uh, for the Commodore. But uh, it, was, it was really cool, really fun, and um, challenged my brain quite a bit. Nice. So, uh, I'd love a, my... I need to play a game at some. I miss usually this the holiday season. Almost every year, I'll at least have one kind of deep dive into some some game, and I just missed it this year. I was just too busy. Yeah, I also watched the Foundation the series Foundation. on Apple TV. Oh, just Foundation. Foundation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That <clears> was great. On the Isaac Asimov. That was good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I loved that. Got up on that. I started watching Yellowstone. Not exactly a new new show, but it re- uh, season one, episode one. I was like, "This is a crazy movie. This is like movie quality episode of TV for sure." And now I'm a couple more episodes in, and it's gotten more TV like. But I was really impressed with the with where that show is going. And now it's like four seasons deep, so I'm way behind. But well, that's not my oh. sick pick. My sick pick was that I I I saw a outdoor little tiny show they were playing for you know twenty people maybe at a, like a local brewery uh, 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 old time band you know can't miss that because uh-huh. that's my that's my spirit so I was happy to go and drink a beer and watch them jam outside and they played on this really like old timey looking microphone that I just thought was so cool looking. And there's a guy mm-hmm. sitting next to me, and he said, have you seen those before? And I was like, no, no, that looks looks amazing, you know? And he said, they're they're called, it's they're, they have different names, but they're from this company called Ear Trumpet Labs. And it's out of Port- Portland, Oregon, so kind of close to me. And you got to look at them. They just look amazing. They're just really cool, old-timey-looking wow. microphones, but also really high quality, too. But they're not, like, thousands of dollars. I think most of them are in the $600 range, which is still incredibly expensive, right? It's not the $100 SM57 or something. But I have... I'm, right now, I'm speaking to a, an SM, SMB7B, 7, yeah, which is a perfectly nice microphone, I think. I've also been at my desk using the old Heil PR40, which is... or whatever it is that... I used to not like, but I'm kind of coming around on in, in my desk environment for some reason. But those are just like classics, you know? And I've always, yeah. I've always been like, it doesn't seem like there's that much more to go up from that, you know? Like this one I'm mm-hmm. speaking into is like what Michael Jackson used for Thriller, right? Like that's it's about <laughs> as good as it can get, you know? Yeah. I, I'm sure changed. there's $40,000 microphones, but that's not, that's like too high. Like I'll never do that. But this seems to, to scratch a real itch for me in that it's like designed for kind of acoustic music stuff and singing into, but also talking into and whatever. So I buy one because I'm like, whatever, nobody's going to buy me a Christmas present anyway. I'll buy my own ass a Christmas present. <laughs> perfect, perfect. Yeah, I bought the Edwina, although now I regret it because I'm looking at some other models and I'm like, oh, they're all so cool. I want one of each. But it's a, uh, you know, it's a beautiful looking microphone. And I you know, tested at home, not even in the sound booth or anything. And I think it sounds great. Really, like really good, and so that's my sick pick. I have not. I'm not sure if I'll use it for this podcast or what, but I set it up at home on a stand, and I got foam behind it, and I even put it on a thing so I can play music into it. And I pop open, you know, GarageBand because whatever, it's free software on your Mac. I had an old Mac that wasn't doing anything, so now it's my little music room Mac because why not? And I'm like, mm-hmm. dang, I got a little recording studio in here. You know, I'm sure I'll never actually do anything with it, but I did a couple of like, you know, five track songs right into the Edwina, you know, just be like, I'm going to play guitar and then I'm going to get out my little ukulele and play that and I'll play a banjo track over it and then I'll try to sing something over it, which nobody should ever hear, but I mean, it was hey, just that's fun. that's awesome. Really I fun. We might do some family band stuff here in nice. the new year. We're kind of like, we should just get our friends together and record and we could use my little office you as a studio. Yeah. So we'll, we're going to see, but you know, It'd be worth it. So yeah, well then you're going to need a diaphragm, Mike. If you're all going to be singing at once, so maybe you should look at these. Pony up for one of these cool ear trumpets. So ear trumpet labs. These look really cool. 
like old timey's the right. It's like I'm from a 1930s radio show. Yeah, hey, little the allies are bombing our boys and <laughs> <laughs> our boys in Europe. Are yeah, like the Nazis, like the King's Speech or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And maybe a little steampunky too, because you can see the screws and all. You know, it's cool. Yeah, this is cool. Myrtle, I think, would be my shit. Myrtle, yeah, Myrtle. Yeah, you're a Myrtle guy. With yeah, that oh, that looks especially cool. I, the Josephine looks cool to me with its little. It's got some Paravel stuff going on there. You might want to. Oh consider. yeah. Ooh, that's probably on brand. That's good. Large diaphragm yeah. too. That'd work out really good for you. All right, man. Hey, all right. Yeah, thank you. This is fun. Um, all right. Well, hey, we are blasting off to episode 500. Uh, and so join us on the ride. Join us in the Discord, patreon.com slash shop talk show. That's how you uh, get in, and we'd love to have you. Um, and, yeah, follow us on Twitter for 16 tweets a month. We're uh, going to start up videos again, so uh, be sure you're subscribed over on the CSS Tricks YouTube channel. And, Chris, you got anything else you'd like to say? Thorpe.com. <laughs> 